right, Jim here with Today in Trades. This is one of the episodes we've been wanting to do for a while. The legend Keith Dobman's with us. Um, this is You're going to hear a lot from Keith. Uh, those of you watching, he's in his showroom. He's looking good as ever, but most of you listen. So just sit back in your vans and your truck and just enjoy this ride. Um, quick background. Keith and I yeah, got to know each other a few months ago. Game recognizes game. I, I was watching what he was doing, how he was interacting with customers, running his shop, building their empire, their company, the care for their employees. Um, and when you're impressed by someone, you reach out to someone. He has not only taught me a ton personally about my own communication, my own abilities to um, serve customers, employees, family, everybody in my life through solid craft of communication, presentation, and who we are as people. So we're going to address several topics today. Um, this podcast is made live by BidClips, your new front-end software platform. Um, if you check it out, uh, you can go to our links in the description. We're also here with uh, my shower door, my architectural glass, D3, the Dobman family. Um, anyone in South Florida may be tuning into this. Do not buy from anybody else for any of your front end interior glass needs. These guys are the best in the business. So Keith, good to have you. Glad you're here, man. Thanks for having me, Jim. This is this is an honor, actually. I really appreciate it. You have a ton of advice. You, you drop memes on LinkedIn. You're kind of a LinkedIn influencer. Uh, more importantly, people ask you to speak at other businesses, et cetera, but it all kind of comes back to your own story, uh, how, you, how you got here. It comes back to the amazing company that you all are building. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. First of all, I just take me through Keith Dobman. How did you end up where you are now? I think it all started with me being given the gift of cancer. You know, at 12 years old, my parents were, we were in a very blue collar area of Western Massachusetts, kind of, they call it the armpit of Massachusetts. And they did what they had to do to get by and provide for my brother and I at, at an early age. And then when I was diagnosed with um, Hodgkin's non-lymphoma, um, it really put my folks up against the wall. And, you know, it's easy for me to see now, but you know, human beings um, actually perform their best when they're pushed outside their comfort zone. Um, now, I, would, I have two children. I hope I never have to go through what my parents did. But that being said... They didn't have the money to get me the treatment that I needed. And so they were forced to start a business. And so when I say this was a, a true, given the gift, it was a blessing in disguise. We went from being a blue collar family to my brother and I, right out of remission, being growing up in a entrepreneurial family, like a true entrepreneurial American dream family. And I don't necessarily know that that would have happened that way had I not got cancer, as wild as that seems. So that's kind of where it all started. And my brother and I grew up in this entrepreneurial environment, you know, pestering our parents, just like all the other kids probably did while they had their house leveraged to, you know, keep a roof over our head and feed us um, and get me the treatment for, you know, my medical condition. And it wasn't until probably about 10 years ago where that really, you know, I had to go back and tell them, I, I apologize for being an asshole all those years. And now that I have my own children and running the business, I don't know how you guys did it. Um, true inspiration to me, but that, that's kind of how it all started. And now here we are with almost 150 employees and down in Southwest Florida. And, and we're, as long as people keep showering, we're going to keep providing high level, heavy glass frame of shower closures. Wow. Um, Keith, I, I've, I've heard that story. I actually heard it from your father. Uh, and it was an interesting perspective. Bill is a, is a legend. He's on the Shower Professionals group on Wednesdays. Do a little shout out. Join it if you want to learn business from the masters. Those, those men and women throw down. And he told me a little bit about that. And he said something interesting. It just shaped the um, dynamic of the family. And, and, it, and it turned Keith and gave him the, the passion and the drive that we all know of you uh, today. You know, most people... Um, that hit adversity, whether it's cancer, et cetera, it can, it can easily be crippling. It can easily have a kind of a give up effect. How, how did you push through that? I know you were 12, but you know, those are formulated. Those are like formulative ages. And talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, actually at the time, I'd like to, there's two things that I'd like to unpack with that because even though it's sexy for a story, they uh, came cancer and they had to start a business and it, it's easy to wrap around that. 
you know, people's biggest problems are the biggest problems. And so you almost kind of get that same feeling when you come across any fear, whether it be taking your first selfie video, because you're worried about what everyone else is going to think and you're scared to death. Um, actually, my brother, you probably punch my lights out if I said this, but I actually had video recording of him speaking um, in public for the first time when we were doing a marketing campaign and it wasn't pretty. I mean, it crippled him. And you know, so people's biggest fear is their biggest fear and they almost get put into that same situation. And so now how do you overcome it? You know, at the time, 12, 13 years old, a lot of my friends were starting to intermingle with the opposite sex, if you will. And I, A, didn't have any confidence to do that too. You know, I, I lost my hair, I was frail, you know, what a cancer patient would look like when they're going through treatment. And I was a very self-conscious up until, you know, long past that. But what I did was I, I hid in the business. I, I just figured I would work and try and acquire money and help out my parents. And that's kind of where I hid for, the, you know, a good section of my adolescence. Luckily, I had some really cool core friends that didn't kind of shun me or treat me as if I was a cancer patient. And at the time, that's important. You know, your friends are almost everything to you, your image, everything. And it made me real almost recluse. And then when I started getting more um, larger roles in the company as I got older, 18, 19, 20 years old, and saw what kind of impact I could have not only on myself, but the business and other people around us. I started to open up a little bit more and gain a little bit more confidence. Uh, but it wasn't probably until about four years ago where I really completely you know, unlocked all that fear. I'm actually trying to chase fear now. I'm looking for opportunities to get scared because I know it's gonna push me to another level and I can act at a higher level. And so now I'm actually actively looking to be pushed versus just kind of going through the motions. I think if anybody's complacent, you're getting worse. And so to really optimize the, you know, all the inner talents that are unlock them from us, you really have to be pushed outside your comfort zone. So I think one of the biggest lessons from all that was one of the greatest achievements our family has had has come during the most adverse times of our life. And that's happened almost three different times now with, with COVID, with the recession in 08, 09, when the market crashed, you know, and again, in the very beginning when I was diagnosed, and so every single massive bad thing that we'd see on the face was always followed up right behind it by one of our biggest achievements in business. And I think there's a correlation there. We tend to act wow. at a higher level when we're pushed outside our comfort zone. Wow. You know, if you're driving in a van right now or in a truck and you're bitching about your business and you're um, not knowing why you're doing it or, or how you got into it or how you're going to get out, I really hope you just heard what Keith put down. Um, how many of us truly, think about it, everyone, how many of us truly lean into pain? How many of us truly lean into fear? My own life, the times I've collapsed are when I let fear take over. That's not how we're made. That's not how we're designed. We're designed to face it, to fight it. You know, I want to applaud you for taking that approach. I also want to hear, I heard something really cool. You said you hid in your business. You went inward into your business. What a great way to handle tough situations, to focus on the things you can control, the things you can do, the taking the little things. Um, that obviously, for those of you that don't know the Dobbins and know their company, Google it immediately, go to my shower door and watch how every little component of the interaction is meticulous. Those of you that have met Keith, have sat in his seminars, have listened, you know, mirroring, labeling, working with customers. So we're going to kind of unpack some of these things, but nothing we're going to say on this podcast, nothing Keith's going to share matters if you're sitting there in complacency. So wake up, focus in. If you're not liking what you're doing, sell your damn business. We'll, we'll maybe buy it. Just message us. Um, get out of it or lean into it. Maybe it's time you try that new technology. Maybe it's trying to you fire that toxic technician. Maybe it's time you start leading your staff. So that's going to segue into my first Someone had said to me, hey, you need to check out this Keith, this Keith Dobman guy down in, down in Florida. And I'm like, I've seen them all. You know, I work with shower guys all over the country. And I hopped on um, and I, I got the link from LinkedIn. And Keith was walking through their showroom floor. And you all can find it if you go follow him on LinkedIn. And he was walking around his floor praising his employees and the work that they do. 
high-fiving them, talking about how he values them with such a level of confidence that says, I dare you come try to take my people. I dare you try to compete with me on an even playing field. And now knowing what you had overcome with cancer, what you've overcome several times, not only you, but as a family, got to give credit to all of you. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. I, Cause all we hear is just the, the bitching. I can't find labor. Uh, my people won't adopt a new system. Um, we did, we've done it this way since the nineties. We've literally heard everything. I want you to talk about, cause I, I see, and correct me if I'm wrong. I see this correlation to you going inward on your business resulted in a business having a culture that overcomes that fear. You have a culture of that carries beyond just you and your father and your brother. It carries down to your every person that touches a tool in your shop. So I want you to unpack that a little bit and give us kind of the virtual, you know, for our listeners, the virtual tour of just what we find um, in your operation. Well, first, I want to say uh, it's really cool that we're talking about culture because it is by far the most important part of our business and our growth of our business is the culture. You know, when you were talking about people bitching all the time, well, I can't find help, but you can't find help that'll work for you. Uh, people don't leave companies, they leave their boss. And it's usually because the boss is an asshole and he doesn't have any empathy and he's putting himself first. And a true leader will actually say that I work for my employees because that's true. If I provide an environment that sparks creativity, sparks comfortableness, sparks excitement, they're never going to want to go anywhere. And it's not about the money. The money is a byproduct of that, but people want to be happy, want to feel like they're appreciated. There's people in the beginning of time that helped build pyramids. It took generations. They did it for nothing because it was part of their religion. Like people are really willing to do more than just for what's themselves if they believe in it. And so as a leader, it's incumbent upon us to make sure that they wear that, you know, we're not absentee owners, we're involved, we want to make this bigger. And every single person in our company matters, whether it's the custodial engineer, Wendy, or it's our top salesman, um, not including myself, of course, they're all equally as important because I could be doing a tour. And one of the most common things I hear about our tours is the cleanliness. Well, Wendy's not doing any posts on LinkedIn, she's not selling shower but she's a vital role in me not getting questioned on price by them picking me over three other, you know, competitors, all these little things matter, all of them. And mm -hmm. you know, I think it's been said before, uh, but I love it. If you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you have to go as a team and a true team is everybody. And so we've, uh, we've really doubled down on the culture environment here. Um, it, it's bode well for us, extremely well customer retention. People say, well, you're always on LinkedIn. Aren't you afraid people are going to steal your employees? Listen, if somebody's not committed to help building this brand much bigger for all of us, we're not doing each other any favors for them staying here because I'm, we're not getting the most out of them and they're not getting the most out of us. So if somebody is willing to leave because someone sent them an inbox, I'd be the first one to write them a nice referral letter because it's not going to, I don't want somebody that's not happy here. I wouldn't want to be here if I'm not happy. Why would I expect somebody else to do that? And so you really, for all those people say, I can't find anybody. There's lots of people that want to work. I would start looking inward though um, at yourself. You know, how much are you giving to you? If you find yourself saying, I did this, you know, I came up with these ideas and you know, you're not taking any of the bad stuff. You're just celebrating all the good stuff. You know, that's usually a clear sign that the culture, mm -hmm. no bueno. So culture means everything to us here, especially for where our goals and aspirations are in the future. It's, it's mandatory that the culture stays raised because we're going to need to keep growing to um, keep fueling this infrastructure. That's amazing. Um, you know, today in trades is about what is successful today? What are, what are people complaining about today? And how are we beating those? How are we getting with the fears? And so I wanted to start in the heart of it because we are going to talk about your customer service and your sales in, because that is really, in my opinion, um, you got the whole package, but my opinion, the way you guys handle your customers, the way that you handle that experience is, you know, why I've got you on this podcast more than anything. Um, but I wanted to, to draw it in because if you go out and you try to employ the techniques that Keith's going to talk about today with us, if you start to take some of his advice and you start to connect and you use tactical empathy and you do the stuff, but you have a shit culture and a terrible product, Nothing feels worse to a salesperson or to a customer service rep than not believing in what they're doing. So I hope you all got that, that the first step from today's episode is 
check your culture. Are you proud to bring your friends to your shop? Are you pumped? Are you excited? Like, hey, can we stop by the shop on the way home? You meet someone new, you want to show off your company? If you're for not, we got to check inward. You know, I, I ask myself that over big clips all the time. Is it a company that we love to be at? And our, and our employees, are they talking about it at breweries to their friends that they like working here? That's, that's heart-wrenching if you're really honest. And then if it's not, I love what you said. I'm as guilty as anybody of being like, you know, I did this. Wait, no, I didn't do freaking anything. You know, uh, this person did it. This person did it. This person built it. This person blocked and tackled. And when we forget that, man, you're right. That's the beginning of the tip of the culture. So I hope some of you are driving right now. You're in your van, you're in the freeway and you're just like, time to wake up. Let's, let's go back. Let's look at our quality. Let's start by cleaning up our shop. Um, secondly, walk into your shop for the first time, right? Walk in and, and be, as a as a fresh customer, you know that that's what you can challenge. So now let's back kind of a little bit out of operations. I can run to Doug and Bill, and I'm sure they would nerd out for plenty of hours. Let's go to the thing that both Keith and I love the most, other than our employees, our customers, and our customers' experience. And and Keith knows this. You all know this. Our product is how the customer feels when we're done with them. That's always the most important thing to me. So Keith, um, you make people feel wonderful. You have a process that is just incredible. Uh, I'd like to kind of start to unpack now the front of the train. We just talked, we just hit the local, we hit the caboose, we hit the main cars. Let's get to the locomotive, that sales team, that push, because a lot of our listeners right now are like, I don't need more sales. I'm too busy. I'm booked out till December. And as, as we all know, you are, then, then you're not doing it right because you need the right sales for the most profit and the right customers that are going to keep calling you back. That's going to, what's going to get us through the next adversity. And when that hits, you got to, if you want to be with Keith and me pushing through it, you know, let's talk about how we get there. So lay it on me, take me through first phone call, text inbound to um, handshake. What's, what's your process? And then we'll break down your methodology. Yeah. Let, let's start with an inbound in freshly walking in the show from a LinkedIn Perfect. post or a newspaper ad that we did. Perfect. And we encourage them to come in the show because a lot of people, let's face it, don't know what's out there because I've had people come in here that said, listen, I bought four houses in the last 15 years. They've already had shower doors. Or we've had curtains. Mm -hmm. I've never actually gone out and shopped until I had a water leak. And now it's a whole new remodel. And now I was, I guess, frameless shower doors are a thing. And, you know, I think vision drives decision. So if they're never thinking about that, they're never going to make a decision to come in here. But now they were forced to have this vision and now they start making decisions. So they walk into the showroom. And in the past, I would be guilty because I'm so passionate and I never had any sales experience. I was guilty of just doing the value proposition. I would oh, yeah. tell them why we were so badass of a company. <laughs> Inc. 5000, we got our own factory, we got our own hinges, got our own installs. Like, what else do you need? I mean, this yeah. is a no-brainer. And you got me. And they're and, sitting there just like, I'm not even sure if I want a curtain or not yet. <laughs> they're, they're not they're yeah. like, I don't even know if I know you yet. I don't even know if, you know, exactly. It's amazing how we just get right into our own narrative. And real quick, I want to pause. If you didn't hear what he said, vision drives decision. And then, let, and we'll unpack that a little bit later, but I want you to hang on that, everybody. And then secondly, you know, and then getting their hands on it shows value. Connecting shows value. And whether you're connecting a beautiful showroom or you're connecting digitally or, or over FaceTime, if you're not getting a vision, you're not getting a connection immediately, and we're going to talk about that next, you're, you're missing. So let's, let's continue. But I hope you heard that. The vision connects, uh, um, vision creates decision. Yep. Right? Okay. So the second they walk in the showroom, I'm going to approach them. Um, obviously, I'm going to be smiling. Smiling is a massive, massive neurological hack for everybody. Uh, when you smile, your smile is actually tied to these mirror neurons in our brain, and you are instantly instantly 21% smarter just from smiling. It's a massive hack, um, massive hack. Consequently, if you can make the other person smile, that puts a 21% favor uh, for you to be doing business with them just by making them smile. Um, and so humor is a massive thing too, what, under the right context. I'm not, you know, as soon as they walk in, I'm not telling jokes, but you're gonna be aware of an opportunity where you can lighten the mood a little bit, because again, it's just going to give you more momentum in building the rapport. And once they start to feel comfortable and they let their guard down, you can start influencing a decision that's going to be good for both parties. 
I used so to I, say, yeah, I used, to, I used to say things like, hey, I'll bet the, the, I bet you woke up this morning and the one thing you want to do the most was go buy a new shower door or something that can connect with the customer that's humorous, but not over the top. Maybe, you know, um, and so give us a few examples of just connection statements or empathy statements that could start that. Well, well, I'd actually like to break down what you just said. It's actually a perfect, um, when showing and trying to demonstrate empathy, there's several different skills that I learned and we can talk about that a little bit, but what you just did was called a mislabel. And there's human dynamics that are almost unavoidable in most people, like Very breathing, good, yeah. reflex, and it should be one of the seven deadly sins. People have an addiction to correct people. Sure. And then they wanna show people how smart they are. And if, when you approach that person, you did a cold read and they kind of look like they're on a mission. You're like, well, I bet you just couldn't wait to get up this morning and come in and buy a shower. Well, and they were actually, like, yes, actually I was doing that. That's exactly what I well, wanted to do. What they would tell you is no, that's not actually what happened. But what happened was we had a shower leak and now I had to get all new tile. And now you're in dialogue. And why right. that's important is the average, the average customer comes in and says, I just need a few minutes to look. And what few minutes to look means is I, I know I need a shower door. That's why I'm here. I don't go window shopping for shower doors. I just don't know if I want to buy a shower door from you. So I need a few minutes to case the joint, see if there's any pentagrams hanging in the back or wild animals, make sure this is a place that I'm willing to give some of my hard earned money to. No. So, so that's a great, this is a great case. So, so good. Very well see it. So instead would um, the better answer be, would you like to tell me about your project today? Maybe more open-ended? Um, well, that's a question. And people sometimes inherently get on the defensive when they're asked a question, especially right in the beginning, because they've been asked questions by salesmen that they didn't know before, and they're getting taken for a ride. So you can get away with asking a question in the beginning like that. It's not a high percentage play. Okay. So how about so how about and I'm playing obviously the things that are going through our listeners' head as we're riding in a van. So how about tell me about your shower enclosure? Tell me yeah. about your project. That um, that, getting closer uh, again. Getting I'm closer, sorry, doc. You're getting closer. Coach That's more of a demand, and sometimes people okay. don't like you. Don't know this person. Okay. And if they happen to be a control freak, mm-hmm. and you start giving them demands, tell me what you do there. Like, well, second, I don't even know if I like it here. I'm not telling you shit. Yeah, I'll Good. tell you my personal information once I feel comfortable with you. Awesome. And, and, and how many of us on this call, everybody say, how can I help you? Right. So I hope you're hearing what he's getting at immediately, just immediately. And this is what I love about him, by the way, we're immediately breaking down some habits and some things that we probably don't even realize we do. And so now I'm going to shut up. Now, Keith, continue and take it through. I wanted to hit a few things that just are so common that we hear every day in showrooms, myself included. I spent 16 years focusing on the business, not the soft skills. The soft skills are kind of the, the secret sauce, the mastery of, of this business or any business, because at the end of the day, I'm trying to buy more time and doing the ways that you and I were just talking about. I did for 16 years and we can do very well, but it's only a fraction of what we could actually do if we were able to, you know, know there's so much more information neurologically about humans that we can extrapolate information from and start using to our advantage. The, the problem is, like we talked earlier, is the fear. Some people start getting, we, we, society as a whole almost has us talking a certain way. We're all used to saying, they come in, hey, what brings you in here? It's just, you know, you have good intentions in saying that. The problem is you don't know where the other person is coming from. You don't know what happened to them earlier in the day, or mm-hmm. they just went through the worst remodel of their life, their contractor was a jerk and he just didn't care about them. And so now you're in that bucket and they come in and, and you, you do a half-assed cold read and they're kind of pissed off and you're like, how's your day going? And internally, what they're saying is, what are you, an idiot? I'm, I'm pissed, can't you see that I'm pissed? I just got this asshole contractor, he took me for a ride. Now I gotta spend more money on a shower door. Whereas I would say, if they came in and did a cold read and they looked agitated, I'd be like, tough day. Now, I didn't ask a question. I just made a statement. But with the deference, tough day. They're not going to feel attacked. They're not going to feel like I'm taking them anywhere. And they're going to tell me right after that, as long as I keep my mouth shut. Yeah, this contractor's taking us for a ride. And, you know, 
and the, the other glass guy never showed up on time and our in-laws are coming down and, I, and the high rise closes because there's a noise moratorium because it's season now. And I'll say, you know, seems like you want to work with someone you can trust. Now I haven't done any value propositions. I haven't talked anything about our accolades. I haven't asked him what he's looking for. I address the emotional component because that's the quickest way to build strong rapport and start making them feel comfortable to let their guard down. Because I know that most people, Jim, I'm sure you've done this, I've done this, are in the parking lot, husband and wife, and said, listen, we know what we need. We're willing to budget two grand for this. If we go in there and they have what they want and we like the person he's respectable to us in our price, are we gonna go ahead with this? And they both go, yeah. Now, I know the ball is in my court to lose. 80% of the time, that person's already made up their mind to spend money before they come in here. 20% of the time, they're just coming for a competing bid or validating information for another bid. And so using this empathetic approach with these labels and mirrors will tease out what their intentions are real quick. Because if they're lying, if they're coming in here just for competing bid and, they, and I say, hey, seems like you, seems like you did a lot of homework. They're like, no, that's why I'm here, sell me. You're a salesman, can't you sell me? They don't have any intentions of right. doing business right now. They're, they're looking for other information. Now, I'm not going to just throw them out and show them. I'm going to do a quick little tour around, give them some information and let them know they can reach out to me if they need anything. And they're going to be on their way. Yeah, and it's okay. So I'm hearing, wait, are you, are you suggesting maybe we don't bend over and handle every single customer, no matter how they treat us? Are you, are you saying qualify customers maybe to help save some experience down the road? Yeah, time. Time. I'm trying to buy yeah. time. See all this gray hair? See all this gray hair? It's coming in faster. Good, good. Yeah. And most of our, you know, most of our listeners, right. We're a lot, a lot of our listeners are, are, we're running shops. We're in that, we're in this space. So you, I hope we're all taking this into play. Now let's talk about that customer that comes right in the door. Uh, let's talk about the third version of the customer. Hey, Keith, um, I need a, a door and panel and a brush nickel. And it's like this, um, and they go right to the point. So you don't really get much of a cold read. You can feel them. Uh, how do you then create that empathy with that customer who kind of seemingly knows what they want? They're not out to compete, and but they didn't give you that kind of cold read. How do you handle that customer, the more direct customer? Jim, just because you said everybody's driving or could be listening to this, let's just make sure what everybody knows the difference between empathy and sympathy. Because mm. there's a massive difference. I think a lot of even myself, I thought... I thought it was one and the same, you know, oh God, you got hurt. Let me hug you. You know, I love you. I can't believe this happened to you. That's sympathy. Empathy is demonstrating what the other person's seeing through their eyes, not through my eyes. It's so you can have empathy with a terrorist. You can have empathy with a bank robber. You can have empathy with an asshole customer. As long as that person knows that I'm articulating to them how they see the world through their eyes. Very good. And once you can do that, I wanted to just explain quickly what the empathy is. And these skills are not only used to tease out more information and get more context, they're also used to demonstrate empathy. And that is what lands in our subconscious mind. Our subconscious mind is going to be feeling that empathy, not our conscious mind. Keith is just absolutely nailing how even the best in the business, we have to employ these techniques because empathy is feeling. Empathy is connecting with their, not only the way they see it, but also the way they feel about it too. And, um, you know, and I met Keith a few months ago, he, he went over some of the stuff. I was like, man, where the hell did you learn this stuff? This is incredible. I mean, obviously, um, you know, I, I, I'm married to an ICU nurse. Like I, I, empathy is something we learn. I still didn't realize how little, like, we know about it. And so, you know, I want to, I want to share, he turned me on to, to Chris Voss and the negotiation tactics. And for some of you guys uh, that have the budget or sign up for the masterclass, take that as well. Listen to Keith, obviously as he does, he's brought it to our industry in such a beautiful way, but listen to it as well. And I'm going to tell you, it's, it's a game changer. It's definitely changed the way I view my children that I'm working on. And if anything, this last couple of months, it's just ripped me apart that I thought I knew empathy. I didn't know the first thing. And so Keith, thank you. I wanted to throw some things in there because that was what I first did to you. And that's what we feel like. And so, uh, 
everybody, I hope you're just pulled over now in your van and you're writing down all of this stuff because um, this is a game changer to the correct sales and customer experience. So this isn't about making money. It's not about closing every job. If you hear Keith the way I hear him, he's setting a tone that says this company cares about me, cares about my experience. Um, and that not only makes them want to go with you, but it also makes them work with you. It helps them to call you back. And most importantly, they tell all their friends and their high rise, like don't go anywhere, but my shower door. And so that's a, that I, you know, that segment right there um, can change a lot of your businesses overnight with 10,000 hours of practice on empathy. And I still do that. I'll text Keith fake little sales pitches for bid clips and stuff just so he can beat me over the nose. And if you don't have somebody in your life to help you and get better, yeah. you're not getting better. And it's been oh. a struggle. It's been a struggle, man. I thought it'd be easy. I was like, I've already done the class twice and I'm still just like, man, I'm messing up. So it takes time. And so um, very good. Very good. I love it. I love it. Okay. I'm glad that you're excited about it. it you know, it's, it's, Tomorrow, three things are going to happen. You're either going to stay the same, you're going to get worse, or you're going to get better. And two of those three require effort. And we all know if we just stay the same, we're eventually going to be worse off. So why don't we just do a little bit more and try and push ourselves? You know, the difference between uh, extraordinary and ordinary is just a little bit. I mean, it just requires a little bit. The problem is with talking this way and delivering these empathetic skills in a real life conversation is it feels different. We're not used to talking that way. And the first thing you're going to say is, oh my God, they're going to know I'm doing this. They're going to hate me. They're going to fire me. If you don't feel comfortable right away, I'm here to tell you, I've been using it for two and a half years. It's changed everything. I mean, it's changed everything. However, it was extremely uncomfortable. So my cohort, my counterpart, Jay and I, we kind of played off each other water cooler talk with the people here in the showroom and then are, you know, at the gym. And I got my 60 to 70 reps in and I started feeling comfortable. But what was really odd was all the different feedback I was getting to these, you know, you start seeing how people react and you start watching human emotions and dynamics. And man, when you really start paying attention to it, it sticks out like a sore thumb. And when you can connect with somebody on an emotional level, one of the major benefits, so anybody that's listening that is a front-end salesperson or even owner that's handling the sales, it's like, you know, I close all these deals and my guys go out there and they make one little mistake and the customer's flying off the handle like their house is on fire. When you use these skills and show the customer empathy, you create such a neurological bond that you got a lot more rope should you come across a hurdle or speed bump in the future, broken tile, piece of glass measured wrong, drilled the hole wrong, bad caulk, whatever the hell it is, the customer is going to be more, nothing's perfect, but they're going to be more likely to cut you some slack because you had such a good emotional bond with them during the sales process. And just to go back to what you said earlier on the price, price is only one term, one term. You know, how are you going to get the money? You know, a lot of times people in the past used to say, well, if you just give me a hundred now, you know, we'll go ahead and we'll use you instead of the competitor. They said, okay, I can do that. How am I going to get the money? They said, well, what do you mean? How do you want? I says, well, you pay me in full right now. I'll give you that hundred dollar discount. They're like, well, no, no, no. I just want the hundred off. I'll do the 50. Well, how am I supposed to do that? And so you, usually there's a human dynamic reciprocity. So if a customer is asking for something, they internally know they better be prepared to owe, right? So if yeah. they ask for the hundred, I'm not, I don't typically discount, but I leave it open to depending on, it's situational. Yeah. So what well, are we looking for? Is this a customer that I know that's normally going to stretch me out for 90 days? Plus he's looking for a discount. He's not coming with one hand out. He's coming with both. So I might say, you know, um, we value your business. I want to do this for you. I can do it for the hundred dollars less. What I'm going to need with your permission is just to get payment in full. So that extra money of posting the second balance and reconciling at the end, I've saved that in your money because you just paid up front. So again, yeah. price is one component. You still mm -hmm. have implementation. You still have the product. So don't get affixated on the price. It's, yeah. it's one term. Yeah. And 
quick plug to our sponsor, the Big Clips users. A lot of you guys have that discount that you just flip the you just flip the payment drop down to full and drop it in there. And customers hit with the credit card. What's amazing is customers pay full sometimes just because they want to get it done with. So please don't get hung up on it. You don't have to. Um, also, what you're providing. So we're also going to talk about now that delivery. So we've talked about that first encounter, that building that foundation, that first impression is so important, everybody. If you want to just get rid of the rest of the podcast, listen to the culture of your store and, and then how you get that first impression. Now the rest, this is where you start building legacy. So now we're going to talk about presenting. Part of the journey of BidClips was to be able to just present the estimates that we've done such a good job in the showroom in a way where it actually just hits people. They feel it. They understand it. Same thing with price. If you give a price and you don't deliver pictures, video of how it's done, what you've done, customer reviews, you don't give people that this is why that proposition is where it is. I can't tell me tell you how many jobs were lost because they read three eighths heavy glass, blah, 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 uh, $2,800. And then they didn't remember the wonderful encounter they had, or they didn't have that encounter. So we need to talk Vision about- drives Vision drives decision, man. Vision drives decision. So- Bid clips is to earn through pictures and videos to show people what you're going to do. Now, let's talk about Keith and the Dobbins. They've even gone further of that. Not only is it LinkedIn, is it social media, is it a collaborative effort. Now, I want you to talk about that next step. So we've, we've knocked, we've taken price off the table, which most of us sitting here listening, oh, that's the biggest thing. How do I, how do we, we've hopefully broken that fear down for all of you. If we haven't, rewind, start the podcast over, keep doing it until we've broken that down. Now let's talk about, proposition and communication, that next phase of this customer journey. So right after that uh, first meet and greet, again, it depends on, I need context. So I'm getting context. I'm watching body language. I'm seeing how they're answering their questions. And as we start, what, you know, and what brings you in here today? Or if they told me right in the beginning with that label, I might know what brought them in if I was listening properly. And as we walk back to one of our scenarios or vignettes here to kind of showcase what I believe it is they're looking for, I will say to them, you know, especially with COVID going on, I'm sure what I'm going to ask you is going to seem ridiculous, but with, with COVID going on and the internet, there's no shortage of information out there that you can't find. You know, would it be ridiculous to ask you what made you think you'd want to stop by here today? Now, if you can deliver that, would it be ridiculous to ask you, again, I'm not asking the question. I'm saying, would it be ridiculous to ask you what brought you in here today? And if you say with a downward inflection, it's going to trigger that human dynamic, yep. this kind of unbridled, direct conscious answer. Like, well, you did work for our neighbor. And if Joe is an asshole, and if you made him happy, that's where we're buying from. And the best part about that question, if those of you on the didn't didn't hear it, the best part of that question was, my response gets to be no. Are you going for the no? So, man, uh, Keith opened that up to me. I, I for so many years, it's I just trying to get yes. Let them say yes. They like to say yes. People like to say no way more. And well, they feel comfortable with it. Yes, and that's been a game changer for me. So when he said that, he said, "Is it ridiculous to ask? Um, is it out of line for me to ask you to step in to do a big clips tour? Is it, um, you know, am Would I you off hate base? Me am I off I base on this quote um, for this value proposition? No, no, you're not off base. You're almost there. It just starts this no uh, mentality, and that's a huge, 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 huge part of it. So um, great, great context. I love that." You know, while no. you're at the vignette, while you're showing them the imagery, if you don't have a showroom, while you're holding that door, what a great way to bring it home to them in a safe way where now they're, they're, they're a partner with you. And something we teach, right, in, in, our, in our shower team is you start across the table, right? And you're trying to make your way around the table. And the goal by the end of the showroom experience is you're sitting next to the customer and you're, and you're deciding what is best for them. And, and they trust you, you trust them, and you guys are partners. And you can't do that without empathy. You can't do that without letting them say no. You can't do that without helping break those walls down. So good job. Let's keep, let's keep going. So then what's next? Uh, so I, yeah, I'm hoping to get a, you know, an unbridled conscious stream of why they came in here. So when I say, would it be ridiculous? I'm, I'm going for a no early in the conversation because I know people feel protected when they, when they say no versus me going for a yes because people know they're, they're probably getting taken for a ride and they're usually apprehensive about saying yes because they don't know what they're letting themselves in for. The funny thing is I'm getting the same answer 
but it's more of a psychological thing that the human just, they've been battered with. Yes. We all get solicitations. I get three of them a day. You know, do you got a few minutes to talk? Like, Oh no. You're like, who is this? And if I do, do I want to talk to you? How long am I going to be on the phone? That one yes oriented question is actually like four questions in one. And that's why it causes this fight or flight mentality because you feel like you're getting pinned down for something you don't want. Whereas if you could say, is now a bad time to talk? They say, no, it's not a bad time. Or they'll say, yes, it is a bad time, but I could talk to you tomorrow at 8 a.m. And now you got a solid appointment and you'll have their full attention. So I try and get a no immediately out of the gate because it, it helps build rapport, helps them feel like they're, they're in control. You know, one of the most dangerous negotiations is the one you don't know you're in and you can give the customer the illusion of control through these net no oriented questions. And it just makes it a lot easier to take them down the path if they think everything is their idea. And the side tentacle to that is they're going to be more apt to capitulate and show up to the appointment on time and to pay the price I give them because they're going to think it was their idea, not my idea, their idea. And so by giving them the illusion of control, um, I found to be much more uh, effective and it preserved their autonomy. It, you know, I think one of the old sayings is customers want to buy, they don't want to be sold. And this is kind of how you do that. Um, you know, reforming the question to get the no. And then when I asked the how oriented question, how is really designed to make people think. So I said, you know, with COVID and the safety concerns of even coming in here and all the information you could have got on the internet, you know, how did you end up picking my shower door? Now, no matter what the answer is to that how oriented question, I'm going to either put them in the bucket of buyer or just tire kicker or what we say glass kicker. <laughs> and so how did you hear? How did you come up with us? Oh, well, we just drove by and you're the salesman. So sell me. They're not a buyer. Or how did you hear about us? Oh, my neighbor. Or, oh, we used you in the past. Or I saw you on LinkedIn. They're going to give me context. And now I can repackage that next answer and just keep walking them down the path. Exactly. And even, uh, you know, and even um, among our user base, the better is to just have main points, just things yes. that, that guide you. It's like, it's like when, you know, I'm a big skier, a lot of, you know, that, right. And when I'm skiing in whitefish, you can't see anything. It's like a 50 yard, maybe visibility. And they've got those little orange posts yeah. just to make sure you're in your way, but you got to find your own rhythm little beacon. and uh, yeah, yeah, little beacons. And that's so, so important because I think all of you are sitting here just like, okay, well, yeah, what do I take away from this? I hope what you're taking away is Keith is showing you how to qualify, as we always say in our, in our teams, are we, we're qualifying. We're not, that doesn't mean you're saying, yes or no we're qualifying what kind of person what kind of shopper what kind of timeline how many sales do we miss because we just weren't empathetic enough to what the timeline might look like especially in construction and then remembering to check in at the right time if you're not listening you're not going to hear uh, the grab well the interior designer comes on um on, in may but then we're hoping to get the tile on you better be calling them right before that interior designer can take them somewhere else to just check in so the follow-up cadence that's all connected in this train car that looks different and the train car is that of empathy feeling because our product is how we feel as how the customer feels about encountering my shower door and i can keep correct me if i'm wrong but the win for you guys isn't whether they buy right then in that moment. So as they're walking out, you know when they go to purchase, they're purchasing from you if they walk out. Second, they walk out going, wow, that felt awesome. And now good luck competitor, you know, because they might go shop around. Maybe the spouse is just adamant, right? So good. So now one out of three, three are, one, or, one out of three, I'm sorry, one out of three are going to shop. It's the <laughs> analytical person, right. um, mm -hmm. the bean counters, the mm -hmm. typically government employees. These are people that, need a lot of intel and data before they can yeah. make an informed decision, which that's my father. You know, he likes to get three bids on everything. <laughs> I, I go with my gut. I, I'm, I want to make decisions fast. And so if somebody's using emotional intelligence with me and empathy, when I'm buying, we've all done this. I'm buying a TV and it's probably $300 more than I can get at Costco online, but I'm sitting there going, I don't know what it is, but I like this person. I'm buying here. So sure. again, if you've ever said that, then you just admitted price is not most important. Yep. It's not. Even the, and even the analytic, I read a book a few years ago, um, at the end of the day, even the most highly analytical person will make that final decision on feeling. 
And I don't mean feeling. to overplay yes. feeling, but, but that, that last decision will be made on yeah. feeling. And if that's the one thing that pushes your $19,400 estimate over the 18,900, because of that one connection, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a good upsell. And then because you, you connected and even the most analytical person is not going to care just about price. So forget about that. Cause I can see oh. a lot of you. I can see a lot of you through Spotify right now being like, no, I just can't. This is all good stuff. But my market's just cheap. Stop it. And what's the difference between someone in Montana and someone in Naples, Florida? Nothing. In fact, they probably moved here from Naples. In fact, so half of us moved down there. Nothing yeah. is different. Now your fights between your ears you're not competing with other glass companies. You're competing with Chris Voss. You're competing with how people demand to be handled. Um, and now taking all of this into the digital medium. Yeah, it was great. We just did the greatest example of a showroom. And some of you have lots of showrooms. Some of you are remodelers and contractors listening to this show for people, people that are in people's homes. And now you're trying to pitch the vision to make the decision using tools, whether it's big clips or great pamphlets or online. I'm not here to pitch product. Just you're trying to show vision. I hope you're taking away that the same technique applies. So um, a phone call. Are you answering the phone call starting with the same the same approach. Are you connecting with empathy right away? So let's talk about that a little bit. I'm sure you guys get some calls that come in, right? They're not in the showroom. They saw you on LinkedIn. How do you handle a phone call? Yeah. The, really the same exact way. The difference is uh, body language is gone. Okay. Right. So uh, tonality, I didn't speak as much when we were in the showroom, but it's tone is massive. Your voice mm -hmm. is an art. And we can trigger mirror neurons in people's brain. I can affect the way you're feeling by the time I'm done saying this sentence. And I can set you off by saying, I just need a price when I answer when I, when I, that's a customer. And you're immediately like, oh, oh, he's a price. There's that word price again. Up to $1,500, I, I blacked out, Keith. What did I, <laughs> that starts happening. So, so let's, uh, yeah, so you don't have the body language, but you do have the, the tone. So what kind of tone is so much, tone is five times more important than the words that you're actually saying, which means you better be listening to the customer too, because their tone is five times more than the words that they're actually saying. And so, and people can hear you smile over the phone. Like if you close your eyes, Jim, you can tell I'm smiling at you and you can tell I like you. Like that's going to affect your mood. And, and, and if you've been calling shower companies after shower companies, not hearing what you want, but not only did you just call somebody that you hear what you want, they were excited to hear what you wanted. You can trigger that by always having that smile on your face. Even when you're on the phone, it's very important. People can hear a smile. So when I start off right out of the gate, I'm not, um, even though I come across boisterous and kind of a hype man, I really dial it down when I'm on the phone because a lot of times that over-aggressive, over-excited person that a lot of people see me on, on LinkedIn can cause anxiety um, on the other side if they're not, they don't know me or maybe they think it's kind of brash or over the top. Maybe they just don't like it. Mm -hmm. um, so the tone, the, the most collaborative tone is just kind of a, monotone, soft, um, as Chris Voss would say, the late night FM DJ voice. FM DJ voice. Absolutely. It's collaborative. Yeah. It doesn't feel evasive. You know, human yeah. beings traditionally, you know, all of our emotions run through this part of our brain called the amygdala. And 75% of it is rooted to be negative. This is what cave, kept the caveman alive, made him cynical. You know, should I go into that cave over there? Because there could be a saber-toothed tiger that's going to eat me. You know, and so 75% of it is rooted in negativity. And so if the customer doesn't feel you giving any negativity back, it almost turns into a collaboration. So if someone calls you and they're yelling and you say, don't yell, now you just have two people fighting. Whereas if somebody calls and they're yelling at me and say, where's the guy who's supposed to be here five minutes ago? This seems really important to you. And he's, his subconscious is going to hear the voice and it's almost going to tell him, why are you yelling? He's not yelling. And it changes the dynamic of the conversation almost instantly. And so your tone is a massive skill that everybody has, but most people aren't mindful of it. And as you start to, if you're, if you're listening to this now and you go through the rest of your day, watch how anybody you talk to starts talking to you. And when you start paying attention to it, it's it's wild um, how many people kind of don't use it to their advantage or definitely not to its fullest advantage. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, our background, I've had a sales company for eight years, service station, we're still around. We, we, we handle sales for bid flips customers and phone, um, phone etiquette and phone skills. You can still mirror, you can still label. And, um, and my, any of our, any of our team is listening will laugh. Like our, our tagline is smile, listen, sell. Keith is validating this smile. Take a breath here, sell. And then let's flip sell to tactical empathy to this sounds important to you or a simple, I'm sorry. You're not even saying, I'm sorry, it was our fault. Or, I'm sorry that you feel this way. Just, just, it's okay. You know, and that's, and that's a forced empathy. It's a little deeper, but there are so many easy things to start with. And how many times do we have the phone ring? We're annoyed. When you see the phone ring, you have to think dollar signs. That's your paycheck. Even if it's not a sales call, if it's the customer screaming at you, it's your paycheck. It's bad reviews. It's finishing the job. It's getting paid less than 90 days. It's every single time that phone rings, it's your paycheck. In fact, I argue as an owner, every time it rings a paycheck because it might be your employees. And let's talk about that real quick. Your biggest sell, your biggest customer service is to your people too. So they come in. God dang it, Keith, I've had the worst day ever. You've had the worst day ever? That, what does that do as a boss? Wow, it seems like... Uh you're really, you're, you're really kind of the, you know, you just start beginning the discussion of calming. And, and what you want is you want the technician going home being like, man, I had a tough day and Keith met me and I feel much better now. I'm going to come back. You know, that, that's why, you know, that's why you have, uh, you have, have leadership. And so this skill is not a sales skill. It's a skill for our spouses. It's a skill for our children. It's a skill for, um, and, and, and by the way, if some of you on here are looking to manipulate or misuse this skill, it's going to bite you at the end of the day. It's very important to be checking ourselves of what our motivation is too. And so, um, wonderful. And then now, uh, talk to me about how you gather feedback from customers after the sale is made, after the job is done, because I know that's something that you all do very well. And then I don't know if that's your job, it's someone in your, in your position, but I think sometimes we get the job done. Then we're like, we're afraid to maybe reach out and say, how do we make you feel? That's a good question. And I'd argue that the last impression is the lasting impression and it's 10 times better than the first impression because even if you make a shitty first impression you still have the rest of the conversation to kind of win them back and the last impression is what leads a lasting impression and seeds the next interaction because no deal is one off no deal is one off i get we get tons of referrals and even though maybe they're only by one door for me they all have friends that shower and so the last impression is a lasting impression and it's super important. So one of the things that we put in place that almost seems like eight, maybe six or eight years ago is a uh, piece of software that we uh, gave to all of our installers and to uh, request a, a, a Google review once we're done with the install, assuming that they're happy with it. Now, the installers are paid extra bonus money for every Google review that they get this company because we know the Google reviews attached to our SEO. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of good benefits that come with having Google reviews uh, more than what's just on the face. It also gave us the opportunity to extend more to our installers who usually in most companies are left behind, you know, it's the sales guys. And then you got the installers. Well, you know, it, it those one in the same, as far as I'm concerned, cause I started off installing and both equally is important. But the installer is not going to, the installer wants the money from the podium review and wants a five-star review because they're doing installs every day. So why not just do a good job and get a five-star review? Because they're getting paid for the reviews, they're more apt to give it a little bit extra to make sure they get that five-star review. So they're not parking in the driveway in case the truck leaks oil. They're walking in the house with the booties on. Like we haven't even done anything with the shower door and all these other little unknown unknowns that most people overlook are what paved the way for not only a five-star review, but hey, you got to come over and meet my friend before you leave. Uh, yeah. She saw this and you got to go measure over there. So one of the things that we do at the end is we've trained our installers, coached them up on how to have an interaction with the customer when they're done. They go over the cleaning issues, the dry time, um, who they can contact if there's a problem. Because as you know, none of us test these showers when we're done, you know. I don't, I don't get in it and bathe in it to make sure it doesn't leak. It's got to wait 24 hours. So every now and then there might be a leak. 
But if I was building empathy during the whole time, I know they're not going to call and scream at me. And, and more often than not, when you do this approach, when you do have one of these situations where something comes up that has to be handled, when you jump on it right away and fix it, I could argue all my best customers today usually came after a problem, either during install, mismeasure, whatever. As long as we took care of it in a meaningful way and we were in constant communication, yes, it's actually built more rapport than if it just went through perfectly and, and it was done, which is, I'm not saying go out and purposely make mistakes, no, but as how long you as we handle them when they energy. rear their head, it can actually be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, I feel the same way. Some of our deepest customers came after major problems and it's how you handled the problem. It rose up to that fear, faced that adversity. And for some of you, obviously, um, on this end that are, are using um, different tools and technology tools, um, Big Clubs, for example, you know, the amount of review increases we see because when you hit complete in Big Clubs, it just triggers that review in that little video that says, hey, tell us how you did. You can also, for some of you maybe are still building this culture, you can do your own selfie video, put it in there. Your customers will see a thank you from you. They'll review you. And um, many of our clients have seen their YouTube light views go up from 10 views to 2,000 um, because everybody got it when they got their estimate to sign off. There's lots of ways to get that empathy across is what I'm saying. Um, if you don't have Keith at your shop, if you don't have, if you're not quite where MSD is right now. And so there's no excuse. Um, make sure they get both a technician asking for it, that they get a nice solid follow-up and that vision, they get to see your company all the time. We love videos We're on YouTube all the time. We're watching things. So make sure you're employing all of these things at your local level, because the customer in 2022 is going to demand more and big tech and big companies are going to be ahead of that. Now, what they don't have. It's the culture, the empathy. So embed that in whatever you're doing, whether it's an email, a text, um, a, a phone call, a walk-in customer. All of you on listening have different businesses. That's what makes America. You're all doing a little differently, but we, but we can all level up together um, by employing these skills. If we want to break the stereotype and have our children be like, yeah, I want, when I grow up, I want to be a glazer at my shower door. We have to start by showing them that this is a professional skill. Yes. Yeah, fantastic. Um, now, tell me your biggest, um, you've obviously hit on a lot of these, but you got um, a young man or woman listening to this. They're, they're tired of middle management at their software company, or they're, they're finally like, you know what, geez, these guys doing these showers, they got, you know, they're doing great. They're happy. They're, they're working with their hand. They're about to take this step over into starting a business. You know, and when you were 12 years old, a lot like me, 13, we both connect on that, grew up just watching our dads just freaking hustle and helping them out. And mom. And mom. Oh, I'm doing the mom. My, mom's, mom. my mom's lemon bars sold oh. more glass. Yeah. Her lemon bars sold more glass than anything we've ever done. She, we go to accounts contractors like, go home, get the lemon bars. We'll sit down and talk about the fourplex. Yes. And so absolutely the whole family. So we have a unique you know, bring, but we got to watch it through the eyes of 13 year olds. We get to watch it firsthand. And so I know I've learned a lot. I know you've learned a lot. I want to hear your advice to this person, whether he or she is new coming in, they're stepping into this world. What are your biggest key advices for somebody that's doing that? One of the first things is coachability. If, if you're not willing to put your pride aside and to, you know, I think a lot of times people ask for advice from leaders in the industry and you've probably done this. People ask you for advice and, and then you cheat, they cheat up for you and you give them advice and, and they don't take the information that actually does the exact opposite effect. It really starts putting a divide because now you say to yourself, how much more time am I going to give this person? They're not listening right. to anything I'm deploying. Right. And so we got to watch how we, how we teach, how we deliver that information. But I'd say you're starting out new. You want to be coachable, which means you got a high emphasis on learning. And anybody that goes into any action, interaction with like an open mind and curious, that's another hack. We talked about smiling. Another massive hack is being curious. Um, are you aware that you can't be mad and curious at the same time? And so if a person sees and you're being curious, you're, if I'm going into a sale young and hungry and say, oh God, I got to close this deal and hit my bonus. If I go into that deal with that in my being, my inner voice will speak my outer voice at some point and their intuition is going to pick up on that. Mm -hmm. However, if I go in there with a curious open mind, in being aware of what needs to happen there, 
their intuition is also going to see that and they're not going to be as standoffish or have their back up as much because they're not going to feel you trying to force something down their throat. So coachability, which has a high emphasis on learning and, um, and keeping an open mind and always being curious, I think are a couple really good hacks if you're just starting off, no matter what the industry is. Um, because people in Naples have the same emotions and people in Montana and Bogota and Bangtok, Thailand, they all have the same emotions. And so these transcend, doesn't matter gender, race, religion, doesn't matter. As long as you have emotions and, and everybody's in negotiation, we're all in sales. We say we're not, I'm not in sales. Listen, everybody's in three to five negotiations a day. If you ask, I want, or I need, I want a coffee. I want to go to the movies tonight. I want to go outside and play with my friends. These are negotiations. Mm -hmm. And so everything that we've talked about up to this point, your tone, your demeanor, the way we pay attention to body language can affect these negotiations, either good or bad. And that's not just buying, it can also be selling. Mm -hmm. And so I'd say you want to be coachable and definitely be curious. Curious wins. Yeah. And my advice, have fun. And go to a company where you can have fun. Uh, not every, you know, we, we don't do this. We don't do this because yeah, we're all glass nerds. Right. But I, I love having fun. And the people that know me know that that's, I'm laughing on job sites with customers. We're enjoying ourselves. Um, you know, I, like I say, you know, no one's dying here. You know, we're putting in beautiful glass <laughs> and, uh, and it's fun and it's going to look awesome. And it's going to be fun to figure it out. And, Oh, you, you drilled the wrong tile. Okay. Let's, let's figure out how to fix it. Let's, let's turn this into something that can be exciting. It, it's just all of that's really important. And so those of you hiring these potential new people that are flirting with great jobs and a great future in an industry who has upside for anybody young and, and, and hungry. Um, I hope you're taking the hint. If you've stumbled on this on accident, looking for today in video games and you happen to bump into today in trades, get your butt into these trades. And you might, some of you might be installers, um, hands-on. If you ever played with Legos, you're, you would love it. Um, some of you want to draw up drawing CRL showers online, railing systems, build, building out bids and big clips. And you're more of a CAD person, like a video gamer. That's fantastic. Some of you, you were a great waiter or waitress and COVID just kicked you in the teeth. Now it's time to say, well, I like to shower. Other people like to shower. You know, let's make it more fun for them. <laughs> let's make it more beautiful. <laughs> so I hope you guys, um, you guys heard that. And uh, we're going to keep these sessions going. We're going to keep this going. Keith and the Dobmans have a lot to offer every industry out there. Um, Again, I cannot promote them enough. If you are anywhere in middle to South Florida, get your butt down to one of their showrooms, go online. They are what they say they are as people and as, as a company. Um, and if you're looking for a great new career, please reach out because you know what I love about the Dobmans like us? We're always hiring the right people. Whether the economy needs it or not, we are always hiring the right people. Uh, what an amazing day. Uh, what an awesome podcast. Every time um, I connect with you, Keith, I learn something or I reinforce it. Speaking of, you gave me that advice. It's just, you've got to keep practicing. It is, it, it is a lot. You told me that it's not something you just go read one time and it's good. You got to keep letting it info, like soak in like a sponge. So it's I hope all of you on this call. It's yeah. a perishable skill and you, you have to be aware of it. But the good thing is I'm here to tell everybody what I've learned in my um, research and doing this. Nobody's born to do this. We, we're all born with the same talents. It, some of us just get our hours in quicker. I, a great example of someone I like to tell you is Tiger Woods. You know, everyone says he's a natural. Tiger Woods, not natural. Tiger Woods got his 10,000 hours in by the time he was like five. And so he was way ahead of the curve. And so if you can get, I, I think I read a, a Blue Angel fighter pilot say it's between 60 to 75 reps on a new skill. Um, by the time you get to the end of that 60 to 70 reps, you got a pretty good understanding. Um, my son taught me how to floss like two years ago and it took me like two and a half weeks. It was just awkward. I couldn't get it. And then about the 50, 60th time, I'm crushing it now, dude. I floss everything. Oh. <laughs> and that's no different with any perishable skill, uh, whether it be the empathy and how we talk to people, you'll get comfortable because that awkwardness in the beginning is us creating a new neural pathway in our brain. And the more we do it, we start insulating it and we become just, just like anything else we practice, practice, practice. We get better at it. So 
if you're if you're open minded to wanting to get more, um, not only out of your shoulder sales but life, I would encourage you uh, to look at the the empathetic approach. Gary V is a big a proponent of of empathy, and again, you know, the Godfather as far as I'm concerned, Chris Voss. Yeah, fantastic. I uh, I want to thank thank Big Cliffs for making this happen, buying us some time. Uh, I want to thank my shower door and uh, my architectural glass for allowing us this time. And we're gonna have more of this. We're gonna we're gonna also hopefully dive into the Bill Stash himself, the the Godfather. <laughs> uh, he's gonna talk about different things he's seen, just like the episode with my father. Uh, we learned we have a lot to learn from Gen Gen One. Um, I'm hoping to get in with Doug, other members, and really just start to let uh, the story of of D3 and and that team just it should resonate to all of us in America to help us build our businesses. Now they're they're not special, you know. They're they're regular people who hustle and met adversity. And I love that about you guys. Um, I appreciate this, Keith. I'm looking forward to many years of learning from you and, and working with you. Oh, this is this is really cool. I appreciate you having me on. And um, we we love it. We love what we do. We truly care about our customers. You know, we say what we mean and we mean what we say. God bless and have a wonderful evening. You too. Thank you. All right. Thank you.